What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Maestro, and you are listening to this week's episode of Fears Unfiltered. I'm not going to lie, y'all. I am not in a good mood. Um, My teams took some tough losses this weekend, and I'm just not feeling nice. Like, I'm in mourning, and so this will be a bitch of an episode. I asked the Saints to pray. I asked the Saints to intercede on my team's behalf. And y'all just refused to do it. So, really, I blame y'all. My shitty mood is y'all's fault, okay? So, I don't really have the energy to be nice or politically correct. So, if I drag your fave, child, deal with it. It, You'll be all right. Come back next week when I'm a little bit nicer, okay? All right. Now, let's get the show started. Kicking off the highlights this week with a salute to Sean P. Diddy Puff Daddy Combs. He recently sat down with Charlemagne to discuss the launch of his new political party called the Our Black Party. The name is awful, but the thought behind it is really good. And he explained in that conversation why he decided to create it. He touched on many topics, including uh, voting Trump out and, um, you know, kind of being forced to endorse Biden, although he, he's not really feeling it. His thoughts on black mental health, black women and all of these other things. And he said that the political party is designed specifically to advance an agenda that's focused on the needs of the African-American community and To me, this is the way that you do it, right? Not like his counterpart, Ice Cube, which we'll get into that bullshit later. But yeah, with the announcement, he also did go ahead and formally endorse Joe Biden and say that he's going to relaunch his voter die campaign, which was really successful back in 2008 when President Barack Obama ran and won. So congratulations to him. I don't know if this will go far or get any traction behind it, but there is obviously a lot of power in the black community as it relates to politics. And I'm here for him leveraging that to create change through a black political party. So salute Diddy. Also want to send a shout out to Michael Bakari Jordan, Michael Bay Jordan, however you know him. Uh, He just signed on with Warner Brothers as the producer for DC's Static Shock. If you are not into uh, superheroes or nerd shit like me, I'm a Marvel girl myself, but you probably don't know what Static Shock is, but it's a superhero movie that's being developed by Warner Brothers based on a comic book. And what's great about this is having Michael on means that they can build a new universe centered around black superheroes, which is awesome. So he's partnering with Outlier Society and they have committed themselves to bringing diverse comic book characters across all platforms. And so I'm really excited about this. I think this is a big move. Michael B. Jordan has been doing an amazing job building his portfolio as a director, as a producer, as a creative. And um, I'm excited to see what happens to this. Uh, DC is usually a disappointment. Marvel has them beat out the gate most of the time, but I mean, if it's a black superhero, I'm about to support it. So congratulations to Michael B. Jordan on this partnership. Alabama State University has decided to rename one of its campus dorms. The dorm was initially named in honor of a former Alabama governor, Bib Graves. The problem with uh, good old Bibbs is that um, he was also a KKK leader. Now, what's interesting is Alabama State is an HBCU. So I 
don't really know how they ended up with a KKK leader on one of the campus dorms anyway. Like maybe it was like maybe they named it in his honor for something he did in his governorship. I don't quite know, but my God, how strange. But in any case, they have removed Bib Graves' name from the campus dorm and they are going through the process of renaming the building, you know, after someone less problematic. So the decision was made by the trustees of the university, of course, following the national discussion around police brutality, Black Lives Matter, et cetera, et cetera. And two other institutions, Troy University and the University of Montevallo, Montevallo, I don't know. They also have buildings honoring uh, Bib Graves, and they will also be renaming their building. So shout out to Alabama State for leading the way. I don't know how y'all let this go on this long, but you know, when you know better, you do better. So here we are. Thank y'all for doing this and lighting a fire under other universities to follow suit. And those are my highlights. All right, let's get into some square business, shall we? Condolences are in order for Willie Maxwell II, a.k.a. Fetty Wap. His brother was tragically murdered last week in New Jersey. The 29-year-old rapper took to Instagram in a photo of himself with his brother and revealed that he had passed away. He was shot in the chest and driven by someone else to a hospital in New Jersey uh, where he passed away from the injuries sustained. They were really close in the post. Fetty called him his twin. And this has just been a tough year altogether. And I'm just really sorry that he's experiencing this. The loss of anyone is extremely traumatic, but at such a young age, I'm really sure that this is hard to take. He did say on Instagram that he's not doing okay. So I just think that we should all lift him up and keep him and his family in our prayers. Speaking of rappers, uh, Square Biz is giving rappers delight this week. Um, Every story is involving a rapper and... Well, the Tamar story doesn't involve a rapper, but Tony's involved and Tony's dating Birdman, who is a rapper. So I guess six degrees of separation. It applies. All right. So who do I want to start with? Um, Let's just start with Tamar since I said her name first. Uh, So we all know the story of Tamar and her boyfriend slash fiance, David, their whole fallout with them getting into a fight in the car, him filing for a restraining order and pressing, did he press charges? I don't know if he's, if he pressed charges, but in any case, him saying that he, you know, was a victim of domestic violence with her putting her paws on him while they were in the car. Well, they've been going through that back and forth and it kind of had died down. We hadn't really heard anything about it until last week when Tony Michelle Braxton posted on her Instagram and said, David, you weasel, you ferret. You are beyond contempt. Once again, do not include my children in your shenanigans. Please leave my family alone. Now, this put the people in an uproar because usually Tony stays out of the fray. She doesn't really get on her social media and talk shit about drama that's going on. 
And so for her to post this, it made it to the shade room and everybody was like, ooh, uh uh-uh, David must be in the wrong. What David doing to the kids? I saw somebody in the comments saying, child, that he was touching the kids. Nobody knows what is happening in this situation, but everybody has speculation. And this is my issue with the Braxton family, but I'm going to get there in a second. So after this came out, David and his spokesperson, publicist, whoever, made a statement and essentially said the reason that Tony was mad is because as part of the criminal case that's currently underway between himself and Tamar, the police have been trying to serve Tamar. So they showed up to Tony's house thinking Tamar was there, they'd be able to serve her. While that was happening, the kids were there and the police proceeded to question the children like, what have y'all seen? Y'all auntie, what's going on? Blah, 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 blah. Standard procedure, it sounds like to me. But I guess, you know, the idea of the cops showing up at her house, questioning her kids and trying to serve her sister with papers really pissed her off and made her jump on Instagram. Tamar then came out a few days later and wanted to clear David's name. And say that, you know, while she understands why people are taking sides in their breakup, David is not a bad man. He's not a clout chaser. He's always been there for her. He only filmed because she asked him to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This leads me to my point of the Braxtons ain't shit. (laughs) And it pains me to say that because let me say I love Tony Braxton. I have always been a huge fan of her music I'm still a huge fan of her music I enjoy Braxton Family Values like the the reality show was cute it was drama it was what it was I still say lay it low and spread it wide like that is I love the show but these women are master manipulators I think the way that they approach things are wrong I think they know the power that they have in the media it's you know what Here's the way that I can explain it. It's very Kardashian light, right? So the Kardashians, oh my God, I said their name. I said I would never say their name on this show. Damn it. All right, well, henceforth, they will be the KKK. But the KKK, they know what their power is. Think about the Jordan Wood situation. They knew how to spin that what to say so that the public would drag Jordan. And then we get to the flip side of it. We realized that Jordan was wrong, but she was definitely pounced on by Tristan. And instead of them keeping that energy with Tristan where it should have been, they decided to crucify Jordan in the court of public opinion because they know what kind of clout they have. They know that their name carries weight. And so they thought, Keyword being thought because the Smiths came in and cleared their motherfucking ass. However, they thought that they could destroy this young girl by just putting little things out in the media and getting their little friends to help them um, bash her. And I feel like the Braxtons are doing the same thing as it relates to David. And I don't like that. They know that this man, while he may be wealthy or whatever, 
is essentially a no-name, right? So nobody's going to cape for him. Nobody's going to question the Braxton's versus David's word. And these girls have had media training, as have I. And so I pay attention to what you do not say versus what you do say. And I've noticed not one of them has said David actually touched Tamar, that David was wrong in the situation. They keep saying that they don't agree with how he's handling the situation, which says to me that, yeah, she probably put her hands on you, but be a man, suck it up, don't say nothing. Why are you dragging our name in the media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because of who they are. I feel like with some of these celebrities, when they get to a certain place or a certain stature, they feel like they should be able to get away with anything. Like, how dare you? All in all, I think the situation is unfortunate. I think every side loses. I do believe that Tamar's lashing out is because of the mental health issues that she's having. It doesn't give her an excuse, but I can understand that. And I can also understand David being like, girl, I'm not going to do this with you. You put your hands on me, I'm taking you to court. So... What I would like to see is for the Braxtons to shut the fuck up, let this play out in court, and let us move on from it once it's all said and done. Y'all love to keep up drama. Rally around your sister, because clearly she needs your support more than she needs you going on social media trying to drag David. In more toxic relationship news, uh, Belcalise and Kiari are back together. And unlike Twitter, I'm here for it. You know, Cardi, get yours, girl. I could sit here and front like being single in a pandemic it has been easy, but I'm saved and I'm not finna lie on this show with y'all. So I understand why this girl is going back to her husband. Cardi got on Instagram a month after filing for divorce and said she missed her best friend and she missed his dick. And so she took him back. And I, for one, can relate. If we gonna keep it all the way real, her relationship is no different than you hoes hanging on to them toxic niggas that y'all hang on to. And I know that y'all saying that Offset is manipulating her because he buys her gifts to win her back. But would y'all rather her be like y'all and take her nigga back and not get none out of it? Because y'all be taking these scandalous ass niggas back and they don't even buy y'all shit. Sound like hate if you ask me. At the end of the day, this is not this girl's boyfriend. This is her husband. They share a child. They're trying to build a life. Do I think that this is the most healthy situation to be in? No. But I also know that these are two young hood motherfuckers in love. And if you motherfuckers can go up for Tiny and T.I. and Rashida and Kurt, bitch, leave Belkalise and Kiari alone. Y'all get so goddamn high and mighty on social media. Like, we don't know your nigga is sliding in bitches' DMs every chance he goddamn get. It's somebody's husband in my text messages right now. It's somebody's boyfriend DMing my homegirls right the fuck now. Like, y'all know y'all niggas ain't shit. You in the bed right now, checking that nigga's DMs, seeing the bitches that he messing with, and still gonna take him back in a week. So why are you on here judging Belkalise? Leave her alone. Well, she shouldn't be telling us on social media if she don't want us to say something. Cardi leaked her own news by accident. You, yeah, read the room. Come on now. Cardi is young. She just celebrated her 28th birthday. She has more money than she probably ever imagined she'd touch in a lifetime. And she's just figuring it out. Everybody's journey does not look the same. Give that girl room and space to grow and follow her own path. 
if you don't like what she doing, just scroll past that shit. You ain't got to engage with it, but chill out with the goddamn think pieces. Damn, y'all don't get tired of typing fast. Everything don't need a dissertation or a think piece. Sometimes just take your thumb, swipe that bitch up. You be good to go. 2020 has got to be the year of the coon. And this week we get to add Ice Cube to that list. Ice Cube done went from NWA to MAGA. <laughs> I don't know what in the MAGA is going on, but I know that shit smell real funky in Compton. So Ice Cube developed some plan that he's calling the contract with black America. Now I have no fucking idea what this plan is or how it's going to help niggas, especially black women. I, I ain't heard shit about it. I also have a problem with these random black male voices feeling like they are leading the movement. I don't see y'all boots on the ground. I don't see y'all out there with Tamika or doing any sort of advocacy with Brittany Packnett Cunningham. But somehow y'all get to lead the movement and say what the contract with black America is. Niggas in their audacity. But anyway, so he has some sort of plan that he's been pitching or whatever and apparently has been working with the Trump campaign behind the scenes. Now, the gag of it all is Ice Cube didn't tell us this. He ain't said a word. He ain't comment. He ain't say nothing. Trump's advisor, Katrina Pearson, is the one who told the T. She got on Twitter and shouted him out for his involvement in developing Trump's platinum plan with the Trump administration. So naturally, niggas was like, now what now? What happened? So let's get into this platinum plan, shall we? Trump's platinum plan is, in my opinion, a bottomless pit of empty promises. But let's, for sake of argument, dive into what the plan is saying it will do. He is promising to increase access to capital in black communities by $500 billion. How does he plan to do that? Well, he's saying he's going to create 500,000 black owned businesses and 3 million new jobs for the black community. He's also claiming that he's going to give the black community better access to education and job training. Also included in the plan are efforts to strengthen his immigration and policing policies, which he believes will protect these communities and these new jobs that he says he's going to create. Now, what's important for me is that this $500 billion that he's dangling in, in the black community's face right now, this is not new money. This is all money that was already available and already planned to be used by different groups and the Trump administration just hadn't used it for what it was there for but now all of a sudden a month before the election he suddenly remembers that not only the money is there but you know where this could go you know where this would be better served for the blacks so this is where this platinum plan comes from and He's using Ice Cube to help sell the plan. Now, I don't fault the Trump administration. This is what they do. This is what they did in 2016 when they had all of those backdoor meetings with Steve Harvey and 
uh, Kanye West and any nigga that's impressed by shining things that would come to one of those meetings. So the Trump administration is doing what the fuck they're supposed to do. My issue is with Ice Cube. The people took to Twitter to drag him and call him out on the bullshit that he has going on. And he attempted to explain himself by saying that he reached out to both the Republicans and the Democrats to discuss the development of his policy plan for the black community. And the Republicans were the only ones willing to meet with him, saying that the Democrats told him they would address it after the election. And I just think that you working with the Trump administration has more to do with your ego than it has to do with you really trying to aid the black community. Because if you really fucking think that this psychopath in office gives a damn about a black agenda, this man has had four fucking years, four years to use this $500 billion for the black community and has not moved a muscle. But during election time, during a time where he has to campaign hard for the fucking black vote, he's doing the same dog and pony show that he did in 2016 and you falling for it because you feel so self-important that you have to have a meeting with the powers that be first of all bitch you should be meeting with the advocacy groups already in place to create the plan i don't trust a plan created by no motherfucking ice cube for the black community are you kidding i'm all about using your platform to push reform however you're supposed to use your platform and uplift the ones actually doing the work ice cube ain't out here putting no motherfucking pen to paper and researching policy changes and all of that stuff there are people behind the scenes doing that so use your platform to raise those voices up you sat in the room with these people knowing full fucking well that the trump administration is a camp of liars they have been lying for the last four years about what they will and will not do they say what they want to say they say what they need to say to get y'all behind them and then as soon as they in office they flip the script it happened in 2016, and y'all niggas are really about to let this shit happen in 2020 because y'all so egotistical that you gonna go in any room where niggas will listen to you speak. Talking about you didn't endorse Trump, you just advising the administration on how to help the community. Do you really think the Trump administration gives a fuck about your advice, Ice Cube? The gag is I read that most of what Ice Cube is asking for in his plan is already addressed in the Biden-Harris plan. So... You just mad that the motherfucker said, we'll talk to you after goddamn election. You ain't really trying to uplift or push nothing forward. You just want to be in a room where motherfuckers will listen to you speak. Because you the same bitch a few months ago that was pushing that whole hold the black vote hostage and encouraging people not to fucking vote. But now it's okay to vote because whatever little demands that you are making is being reviewed by the Trump administration. Fuck you, Ice Cube. This is the same goddamn administration that told y'all he was going to build a wall. He was going to come up with a medical care program. He had a plan for coronavirus. Like, these niggas stay lying. And you fucking know that. All this man is doing is giving you lip service to pull some of the black vote. And your ego is letting you fall for it. Fuck you, Ice Cube. Like, nobody has time for the bullshit. You ain't no better than that weak-ass Georgia legislator who was crowd surfing at a fucking Trump rally. Bitch, if you want to cape for Trump, just say that. Because personally, I'm over you motherfuckers playing in my face. Like, I just can't. I can't. Politics aside, Donald Duck is a known racist. And for you to think that you're going to sit at the table with this motherfucker and do anything for blacks, bitch, get off of it. 
You drug Easy E back in 1991 when he went to a fundraising dinner for H.W. Bush, who was running for president at that time. And motherfuckers is dragging you the same goddamn way. And I'm glad that they getting you together for this clown shit, bozo. <sighs> Black men continue to disappoint us. But also, water is wet. So that wraps up the square business for this week, child. Quiet on set. Places, everybody. And action. When I tell y'all I almost skipped this fucking part of the show, I was so hyped to get on here and say that my eyes were watching the Braves beat the Dodgers' ass. (laughs) Woo, that is not the case, and I am livid about it. Do you understand me? I watched the Braves for seven days straight. A very winnable series. They were cooking shit up. And in true Atlanta fashion, took it to a game seven and lost. Blew a three to one series lead. I didn't watch no new shows because I was dead set on rooting for the motherfucking Braves. And I'm just, (laughs) I'm pissed. I'm fucking pissed. And then to make matters worse. UCF gets their narrow ass on TV and loses to fucking Memphis. I turned the game and it was 35 to 14. Very heavy lead. And I turned, I want to say, the end of the third quarter. Imagine my surprise when I get on social media and I see that we lost 49-50. I just wanted a peaceful weekend of sports wins. And instead, I got shit. So I don't have shit for y'all this week because I wasted my motherfucking time on sports. And it must have been opposites week because the fucking Falcons won a damn football game. So I don't know. I don't know. I I don't have shit for y'all because sports fucked everything up this week. So I guess we'll talk about a show next week or some shit. I don't know. And now we've reached the end of the show, or as I like to call it, the maestro moment. And this maestro moment is brought to you by Tracy Ellis Sauce or at Return to Mars. This young queen wrote a very profound message and it reads, I feel like if your girl's sex drive is low because she's stressed and has a lot on her plate, wouldn't you want to help her out and do something nice for her to bring the spark back? I don't know. Am I tripping? And to return to Mars, I just say, no, girl, you're not tripping. These niggas just love to gaslight us into thinking otherwise. The reason I picked this maestro moment is because there's a clip going around of one of my favorite couple, the Ellis's. They have a podcast called Deadass. And one of the topics that came up on last week's episode was about monogamy and marriage. I'm sure if you're listening, you've probably seen the clip floating around. The short story of it is in their marriage, DeVal feels like, I guess, Kadeen treats sex as a chore. And he mentioned that she, quote unquote, pressured him into getting married. And so his thought process is, well, if you can't keep up with monogamy, why did you force me to get married? And I was going to read him because... I know that this man loves his wife. I followed their relationship on social media and you can tell that the love is real. 
And my read for him was going to be more so the position he put her in as his wife to really say that she pressured him into a life because she set a standard for herself to me was trash. I I just didn't like how he did that. But I pivoted to at Return to Mars because I think the point that she was making is very relevant and pertinent to what DeVal is missing. Kadeen is a mother of three. Um, They are working together to build an empire. So they both have partnerships and contracts and different obligations that I'm sure that they did not have 10 years ago when they first got married. And so to whom much is given, much is required. I'm sure that that takes a toll on your everyday life. And it really it can really be stressful and a lot of pressure. And women, our sex drive, well, let me not speak for all women. Generally speaking, a woman's sex drive is strongly attached to her emotions and so if she is stressed if she has a lot going on if the relationship isn't where it needs to be that impacts the sex drive men look at sex totally different sex for men is like air it's like drinking water um it is like I don't know, hell, riding a bike. The point I'm making is it's less emotional and more just a physical release for men, especially when they date and like y'all can fuck any and everything. But anyway, that's 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 not the point. So while he's on the podcast saying that she's treating it like a chore and all of this stuff, my question is, if you have taken the time to understand your wife and what she responds to, what her body responds to, what gets her in the mood. Wouldn't you just do those things if you want more sex? Like, instead of sitting on the podcast and gaslighting her by saying that she treats sex like a chore and, well, you forced me to get married, so you should fuck me how, when, where, why, and as much as I want you to. Like, wouldn't you just focus on doing the things that would get her where you want her to be? If you want sex out of a woman, check what she responds to. See what gets her in the mood. See what things trigger her to move that way. I mean, it's just very simple. Like, wouldn't you want to do something nice and helpful? Like, do you not give a fuck about your girl's mental health or your wife's mental health and wellness? Like, it's it's not that hard. But y'all expect us to really bend over backwards while y'all consistently do the bare minimum. And I don't, yeah, I don't understand. So niggas, just do nice things for your wives or your girlfriends. Like it ain't hard to get pussy. Trust and believe. Just be nice and thoughtful and kind. Can y'all, I'm asking too much. It's fine. That's my maestro moment. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Fears Unfiltered. As always, thank you guys for listening. I will be back next week with more highlights, square business, and what my eyes are watching. But until then, love yourself, be good to your family and friends, and always remember to make the most of every day that God gives you. I love y'all for real. Bye.